0: This podcast explores explicit and adult-themed content. If discussions of sex or male bondage offend you, or if you are under the age of 18, you should not continue listening to this episode or future episodes of The Bondage Gaze. By continuing to listen, you acknowledge that you are at least 18 years old and aren't offended by discussions of male bondage, sex, pornography, or other kinds of content with sexual themes. Welcome to the Bondage Gaze, I'm Nat. And I'm Semi. And today we're joined by uh, Tom, also known as a Southern suitor.
1: Hello. G'day, Tom. How you going? Or Southern, depending on which platform that, that I'm on. But anyway, it, it depends on whether someone took the name first. It, I, it is actually a mildly popular name.
0: Oh. Okay. I mean, it, it, it kind of makes sense, like, because it's like, it goes along with what you're into, and then it also is like, I don't know, it, it seems to be a Southern thing of like, like oh, my, like a suit or like very just gone with the wind
1: yes though people who converse with me for more than 30 seconds will realize how critical i am of gone with the wind i can tell you about how terrible gone with the wind is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and how many people treat that shit like history? Yeah. When you live in a place like the South, you have to be
2: critical of it. Otherwise you're not using your brain.
0: <laughs> Especially in this day and
2: age. like I can't say I've ever seen it, but I have heard it's very problematic. Yeah. The things you've heard are correct.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, because it's like one of those things that it's like, it was made so long ago and everything that it's like, okay, it's historical. It had a lot of technological innovations for the time that it was made, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, it's like okay, but the subject matter is
1: ugh, like, if frankly, scarlet
0: I don't give a damn. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> all right. So, one good thing that came with Gone with the Wind was the Carol Burnett curtain dress, which has inspired many a drag queen. <laughs> yeah, so you know, there is the drag iconography that came from it, and I think that's worth noting. Yeah, as a not terrible thing.
0: <laughs> okay, so I guess no. <laughs> You just get to the actual topic. Um, so where have people seen you in the kink world? Uh,
1: so I'm mo- mostly active on Instagram. So that's really the short answer. Uh, I run a blog through Wix, uh, which is the same service that does uh, Nat's blog.
0: Which I haven't updated in a while.
1: I haven't updated mine in a while either. And yeah, um, yeah I recently restarted Recon. I'm was on. i still kind of on Twitter, but I went back to Recon after uh, things happened on Twitter that we really don't need to go into. Into if you, unless you really want to. But anyway, so yeah, Instagram, Sudomen, and Recon. Sudomen is an actual um, minor website that was made by people in the Suit and high Fetish community. And there are all of 12 people who use it on a regular basis and it is the same 12 people over and over again
0: I have not heard of this
1: well I've given you all the reason not to have heard of it there is a suit and tie fetish discord that I was a part of very briefly and I stepped out of that because uh, it just it became toxic for reasons that we could discuss but anyway so yeah
2: Instagram suit men, recon cool and speaking of Instagram I see you just posted that cute little dapper picture with your massive tie suiting up for a chat with oh yes
1: uh, which means that my my phone has been buzzing for, for about, I don't know, for about the last 10 minutes at 30 second intervals of people who want to get my attention. And I'm
2: not at all peeved at that at all.
1: <laughs>
2: and I know before the show, you mentioned you have a massive knot in your tie. Yes. And we agreed it would be not knots approved. Oh, yes. Hi, Mark. I made a point to make it bigger than his. <laughs> I measured it. Oh, Mike, you need to get on the show, and we'll have a knot off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, like, like a gang fight, but involving knots on ties. Um, so when I when I did the shoot for ropes and whatnots, like, it, I don't know, it was funny because it's like the way I learned how to tie a tie. Like, I only know how to do a double Windsor knot, and like, and then so one of the sets, like, I was in a suit, so it almost felt like something that was rehearsed. Like, both Luke and Shane, um, solved my double Windsor knot. And we're like, ooh, a double wins. <laughs> like, I wasn't even
2: expecting like that from them, like for them to even like notice. And yeah, that that, that was pretty funny. Yeah, they kind of hopped them noticing, but taking note of what kind of tie you've done. Oh, yes, that is a thing.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, neither of them are like suit guys. Like, I don't understand them as like that. Like, I, th- I understand that they know, you know, they're both relatively good dressers. They have nice clothes and things like that. I just don't put them in the suit fetish, you know, category Anything and yeah, it's like for them to notice that it was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) I think that brings up an important point though, which is that when we speak of like the
1: leather community, we're speaking of an actual organized community with a politics and a history and a set of customs, and it is very well documented. There's an iconography. It has been around for decades. With suits and ties, it's more like a hobby or a fetish interest. So there are guys who understand suits and ties as a sexual thing, but it's not really their chief or only thing and there are guys like me for whom it is the chief and only thing and it's kind of difficult for us to explain to other people so it's just it feels like a gradient there are the really I don't want to say hardcore because I think that that's an annoying term it's a very gatekeeper term but there are the people who are like really 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 super into suits and ties as a fetish and there are plenty of queer guys who are who understand the appeal of suits and ties but it's just one of many interests of theirs yeah I think this is all getting back around to the fact that every Single article of clothing has a devoted fetish community. There are guys who are into jock straps. There are guys who are into cowboys. There are guys who are into denim. There are guys who are into cowboy boots. There are guys who are into military gear. There are guys who are into biker gear. There are guys who are into sports gear. On and on and on. So suits and ties are simply another iteration of clothing fetishism. Absolutely. Yeah. But note one work cited. See essays thirteen to forty-two for for further details.
0: (laughs) It's like I mean, okay. So one thing that that reminds me of is so kind of like what I was talking about before we started recording was um, when I went to IML which is you know International Mr. Leather so it's a leather convention and anybody who follows me or anything or seen me or anything like that like I'm not a leather guy like I don't do the full bluff um, look or anything like that I don't. it's just not my thing um, but so for IML I mean I went in you know basically just like a suit with suspenders and leather gloves and because that's just more my thing and yeah it's like and then I mean like one thing is like so when I I checked in like you know when I got you know when I paid my admission and got like my wristband and everything the guy doing that said oh you look really nice did you just come from work <laughs> like yeah it's like he's sort of a suit. You, you know it's like he. it, it just showed like kind of an, an obliviousness to like oh people don't come to this you know people don't come to this event in suits like this isn't like fetish whatever or something like that and yeah it's like and then I mean sure enough I was the only person in a suit for that and then I went to like a gear Year related like dancing um that was on one of the nights i was the only guy in a suit for that and yeah it's like and then i mean i was fine with it like i wasn't expecting it to be a whole crowd of suited men or anything but like yeah like i was like literally the only person like in that and then yeah it's like and then i, I it's like i also like to contrast that with with mir which was more recently which is basically kind of the same thing but rubber instead of leather and then that was interesting because i don't feel like as many people batted an eye about me like wearing a suit like when I went and then also I found other suit people There hmm. which yeah it's like Which yeah like I found interest I don't Know like upon like talking about it with Other people it's like I think the thing is rubber Is a lot more fetishy so Right that community might just understand It a little bit more whereas leather Is a little bit more
2: mainstream Look what would you prefer though would you Prefer to be amongst other suited Guys or would you prefer to you know Stand out and be the only suited Dude in the crowd well
1: I mean it's a complicated question because i've never actually been to any sort of specifically fetishistic convention for by and about suited guys what about
0: you now i mean yeah that is tricky because it's like okay there are a lot of suit guys but it's like the thing is it's very weird because suits are like a hidden in plain sight type of thing of exactly like you can be into suits and fucking hang out like at an airport bar or a hotel bar or a convention you know a regular convention that's not like fetishy or anything at all because you'll just see men in suits everywhere and just sort of blend in and it's like and then I feel like with a lot of suit guys they might not be that interested in going to like a fetishy event because I think they kind of just like the, the general suit kind of atmosphere of that so yeah it's like it's like that and then also it's, it's funny because it's like in a way I kind of like being an anomaly in a suit because it's like I feel like I'm being scrutinized a lot less like for my suit because it's like I just kind of stand out so much whereas I I feel like if I'm among an, a bunch of other suited guys, like I feel like any guy that's like into a specific thing, they're gonna be kind of, I don't know, an expert critic, whatever, like about the thing that they're into. And so when everybody else is kind of doing the same thing, they're gonna be able to pick little details apart a lot better. And right. yeah, it's like, so and, and, and a, like, yeah, it is kind of a catch 22 because it's like, I would like to be around other suit guys, but then it's also like, I dunno, I do kind of like, you know, sort of being part of a niche within this already niche community like in it i mean like nat my ordinary experience is i'm usually the only
1: person wearing a suit and tie for miles around i'm just used to it now uh i've gone to bars that are very very casual wearing a suit and tie and of course everyone directs their attention at me i just become this article of interest and i kind of like that but i think to nat's point the reason that suit and tie guys tend to like being in settings that are not explicitly fetish settings i think it's because there's a certain thrill to finding someone in the wild so to speak, (laughs) as in suits and ties are no longer really a standard corporate uniform. So even seeing one becomes a kind of special event. You're like hunting them down and in the airport or at business conventions and so forth and scoping them out. And so I think that there's a kind of voyeuristic thrill that comes with being suited and being into suits in a setting where there might be other guys in suits and they might not be into suits, but you get the eye candy anyway. It's hotter somehow
2: knowing that they don't know what effect they're having on you. Yeah. I had a thought when that was speaking and you just added fuel to my fire, Tom. I just had this stupid thought when you're talking about suited guys at a bar man I'm gonna go up to like the next suited guy I see and just walk up to him and be like you kinky bastard (laughs) I would love
1: for that to happen to me in real life that would be amazing and it it never will I mean the other point I was gonna add is that the only place where there are actual suit and tie fetish people enough of them actually to get together for an event would be basically New York or London full stop that's basically it if you were outside of either of those two cities good luck you're in the wilderness that's why I'm in the wilderness and that's also why I like to represent the south because
2: there are plenty of kinky people in the south and it's a wilderness for queer people <laughs> well now maybe I need to come visit find you at a bar and just walk up to you and give you the kinky bastard line <laughs>
0: And then just walk away. Like, just get in his face and then walk away.
1: See, I'm not far away from Atlanta, which does have an international airport. So we could arrange something. I could actually show up at, at the Atlanta airport. A,
0: a, a, a whole elaborate international trip ju- just for you to get in his face.
1: Just for you to say that one line and then you would turn back around and do your flight back home. And I'd just be you like, Go, go
2: back. <laughs> no, no. Look, okay. I wouldn't be getting in your face. I'm also so Boston would be a term of endearment here. I would be like, you kinky bastard. It'd be a cute kinky bastard. <laughs> it would be fun to see what kinds of glances
1: we would draw from passers-by for yeah. people overhearing that conversation, just not at all understanding the subtext.
0: Suits are so common and innocuous that like, yeah, like it's like, you know, people could just see you and, you know, even though it's your full fetish look or whatever, like people could just see you and then like not even notice you because it's like, once again, just so kind of, nor- you know, considered normal and everything. And then so for that to
2: happen would be, yeah, like really funny. And you mentioned with other suited guys, you feel under scrutiny. I think it's the same with the leather, the rubber. I mean, I don't wear rubber, but I own like a couple cheapish leather jackets. I'm okay with wearing them for a video, for example. I probably wouldn't wear them on the street because I think it would look weird. But then I also wouldn't wear them at the Eagle, for example, because it looks cheap and tacky compared to all these leather clad dudes with a cap and the pants I just feel so cheap and undressed next to them <laughs> I guess it would be the same with suits well yeah it's
0: like yeah well like okay like what I was saying of like you know I feel like I'd be more scrutinized with you know the the, the suits that I do if I was surrounded by other suit guys that like you know probably more detail oriented who probably I don't know have more expensive suits have more custom fitted suits you know this that and the other I mean because it's like you know it's like a lot of most of my shit is from like thrift and things like that that I just, you know, kind of just put together and it's like, I feel like I can be easily clocked by by other suit people. But for people who aren't particularly into suits, it's like, okay, well, it's passable as a suit. So it's a very classist community. Yeah. And that's because suits and ties
1: themselves are classist. It's just, you have to have a certain income level in order to acquire this gear. And of course, that bears repeating for any other form of fetish gear as well because leather is fucking expensive. Expensive too. Yeah, it's menswear levels of expensive. And when I'm saying that suits and ties are expensive in classes, I don't mean that to the exclusion of other fetish communities who also can use that income level as a form of gatekeeping. I just think with suits and ties because of the association between the suit and tie and money and power it's more explicit that kind of classist gatekeeping yeah the thing i was doing a moment ago was uh, i was showing off what's called the uh, surgeon cuff which is when the buttons on the cuff of the suit jacket actually work that's like a thing but the interesting thing is that there's this shade over so these are two terms that that i have to use very carefully when i say menswear i'm referring to straight cis guys who just enjoy the details of suits and ties, but not necessarily as a fetish thing. When I say the suit and tie guys, I'm referring to queer guys who are into suits and ties as a specific fetish. Yeah. And the thing is, it can be difficult to tell the difference between the two because both of them are so details-oriented. But one of the biggest tells is the tie knot because all the standard menswear, you know, cis straight style guides actually regard the uh, double Windsor knot as uh, tacky. They, they regard it as... This is fascinating. They, they all roundly say that the only tie knot you need is the foreign hand. And the suit and tie fetish guys regard the foreign hand knot as wimpy and understated and safe so this is all kind of getting back around to how the tie itself becomes a sort of uh calling card among suit and tie fetishists because uh the suit and tie fetish guys want the tie to be phallic and the most phallic tie knot of all is the double windsor and the wider the bigger the better it's it's to the point where it's not even a metaphor for an erection it just is yeah you're wearing a fucking erection around your neck and it is pointing to your actual erection down (laughs) below it is a magnificent <laughs> silken arrow with a chevron pointing in just the right spot. Yeah. I, I can go on. There's that soundbath. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That, you, you realize that's going to draw a lot of attention. I've practiced over the years all the ways that I could express the phallic nature of a tie, And there are plenty of guys who uh, will read one of my pieces of erotic fiction, and they'll just be so into the way I describe ties, And it's like, yeah, I know. I've thought about it just a little bit. <laughs> For like 20 some odd years, I've been thinking about it nonstop. So yes, I have plenty of ways to express it. But yeah, it's just one of those things where um, I think the ordinary like cis straight menswear guys, they will adopt a suited look that's more muted or staid or understated. Whereas the guys who are into it as a fetish uh, turn it into a form of camp or drag, where all the all the most phallic elements of the actual suit and tie outfit are exaggerated. Uh, the tie knots are bigger. The ties are wider wider the lapels are wider the pocket squares are more extravagant the socks are uh, thinner and more sheer because dress socks are already silky and thinner than ordinary socks so it's one of those things where it's it's as though the entire suit and tie fetish has developed around queering this form of dress that is very normative and i think that that's just fascinating and fun
0: it's like well and then with these saying that it kind of even makes me think of there even seems to be a bit of like a hanky code to like to this of so like oh absolutely since there's a specific way of wearing that I, I mean it's like that's why like it's like i remember yeah it's like, i just remembered okay so like um for work we had to go to a you know like a political event at the cat like in Illinois capital and then we went there of course there's it's politicians so it's men in suits like everywhere and i was just like kind of like <laughs> like just like very overstimulated and um just kind of just everywhere you look like you see suits and stuff like that and then um i'm in a group chat with several of Kingsters, and i remember just kind of talking about that and then you know a few of the ones that aren't into suits were just kind of i don't know like in a way just just kind of like chuckling at it like because it's like they didn't really understand like kind of like what was happening like with my excitement like with this and then i mean and then one of the things i said it's like well i feel like it's like it's a very it's a very animal kingdom type of thing of like (laughs) of like animals like just like they're gonna fluff themselves up they're gonna be more colorful they're gonna sort of do these things to like kind of make themselves noticed and stand out and things like that and suits are just sort of a version of that for humans.
1: The tie itself reminds me of, on the whole plumage metaphor, it reminds me of how there are some birds that will have like brightly colored plumage at their throats.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, especially when people use tie pins and like, you know, have a vest and then fluff it up and then yeah, like, and then so it's like this big like thing like just under their chin. It's like, yeah, like it it is very peacocky, making yourself look more powerful. There are suit and tie guys who are specifically into
1: jutting the tie and making it set the tie projects outward from the collar and that too is very phallic. It is as though the tie is even more erect already and very happy to see you. I mean I think that this is true of any form of paraphilic fetish. You humanize or you anthropomorphize these objects. You're you're assigning them human qualities as a way of uh, making sense of the way that they make you feel. I think that that's true of leather. I think that that's true of just about any form of fetish gear and um, with uh, suits and ties In particular, in my mind, there's always that slippage between being at the height of gentlemanly, civilized dress and always just one or two steps away from just being absolutely. filthy and bestial and that contrast between those two states and the way that being suited actually makes it easier for you to slip into that bestial mindset yeah that that too is fascinating to me as well it is as though people and and i think that this is true even of non-fetishy people it is as though people are so aware that the suit and tie is sexy and powerful that they feel more libidinous just by wearing it
0: well it's like that and then also kind of the calling attention to yourself with your clothing it's like i mean something i brought up i don't know if it was in another episode or something but like um in high school you know we had rotc which is like they ba- basically kind of like military-ish sort of training um in school and involved a military looking uniform that they would have the, you know that students that were in rotc had to wear on certain days and in my friend group you know the few people that were in rotc and would wear their uniform it's like everybody sort of understood that like okay it's acceptable to like sexualize them and everything like in this like while they're wearing this uniform of it just kind of puts them in that sort of position that like okay like all eyes are on you and we're going to kind of we're, we're going to kind of sexualize you in one way or another because you're wearing this and I feel like suits kind of in a way fall into a similar category there's a historical connection between
1: the actual suit and tie attire and military uniforms so a number of fashion historians have noted that uh, it was I believe 17th century Prussian uniforms that imparted the silhouette that we still fundamentally used today for the suit jacket and it was intended to emphasize the shoulders and narrow the waist and kind of heighten the figure in this sort of imposing you know strong man sort of way so i do see a good many suit and tie guys who are really into military uniforms as well for precisely that reason and there are also a good many suit and tie guys who are into leather for precisely that reason because leather feels militaristic it has all of those bits of insignia and all of those kinds of references to military uniforms. And I think that that's significant because guys are drawn to that sense of structure and that sense that you're kind of bound up in this clothing. See how I managed to lasso in our main topic. (laughs) I roped it in as it were. I formed a bond. I don't get it. (laughs) I'll keep you in the loop. Don't worry. It's fine.
2: We'll explain later.
1: (laughs) But yes, roll the tape, Sam. That was my way of telling you that you can say things now. I'm gagging you
0: Oh how
2: kind of you Actually no
1: Who wants to be on gagged That's just rude Well I mean I can keep going If you want
2: me to So you mentioned earlier And then that kind of Brodged it then You would see guys That are suited That aren't dressing up For kink But you'd kind of Not sexualise them But you would get turned on By seeing that I think the same is true For any gear Or any type of clothing That you have that interest in For example I don't consider myself Someone that has a foot fetish I don't want a guy To fucking like Rub his socks in my face Or anything but I do find that look of like the white crew socks or black crew socks with some shorts yeah. I find it aesthetically pleasing yeah. and so if I'm seeing a hot guy on the street like that I'm immediately gonna be turned on by it Yeah, the same is true for anything I guess
0: yeah it's like kind of like what he was talking about was like in the wild of like there's just kind of something exciting about being out in the regular world
2: and then just kind of seeing somebody like sort of hitting those marks for you yeah I had this discussion with Brandon uh, might have been yesterday who <laughs> in a set a car park, you see a guy's shorts, I immediately glance down to see what's going on below that. <laughs> and he's like, I don't think I've ever noticed someone's socks in my life. But I can't say the same. It's like the first thing I notice. <laughs> Maybe there's a commonality there with,
1: I'm thinking that many of us who are kinky people, many of us who are kinksters, our turn-ons are very specific, which means that we are, as we grow more aware of what turns us on, we become hyper aware of it. We're kind of honing that Sense of this is what I'm looking for. This is the exact signal that will turn me on, and I am going to be on full alert scanning for any hint of it whatsoever in the wild. I know that for me during the pandemic, uh, it felt like the world was never going to wear a suit and tie again. And there was this sense among many other suit and tie guys that the suit and tie was finally dead and what are we going to do now? And I think, I don't think that the suit and tie is necessarily dead, but it has certainly changed in a more casual way that many of the suit and tie fetishists do not like. And frankly, there's always a bit of annoying nostalgia and conservatism involved in that kind of hand-wringing that i'm just not here for when i'm in the wild so to speak even if i see a guy with a button-down shirt it will turn me on because even that slight step towards the full suit and tie uniform, even if it's a casual button down shirt, it will turn me on because uh, in my mind, the button down shirt can always be unbuttoned. Yeah. And so there's the possibility of selective exposure and it's more tantalizing whereas an ordinary t-shirt, you know, it's either on or it's off. There's no in between state. And so things like that, I will look for as a kind of way to hold me over until I see another person in an actual suit. I've also spoken in a ton of frustration with the guys who are in London and New York who say, oh no, not enough people wear suits in London and New York. And I tell them, you don't know how fucking lucky you are. Do you have any idea how fucking lucky you are? <laughs> no one Wears suits outside of your Little tiny cosmopolitan bubble and you're Telling me that not enough people in your Cosmopolitan bubble wear suits <laughs>
2: Oh dear. Well okay you've given Me another thought. Oh yes please Not to circle back to my fetish but Here we are very summery and People love the flip flops or thongs As we call them. Right. Okay it's less rare Than it used to be but it would be rare For me to see a guy that is wearing the kind of Attire that I'm interested in Specifically Nikes they are very rare hmm. So when you see one it becomes so much more special. Like Ordinarily, it would probably be like a 7 out of 10 in terms of like hotness, but because it's so rare, it shoots up to like a 10. So do you find it's the same way because suits are becoming so rare? So when you see one that ticks those boxes, it just becomes so much more enjoyable, so much more special.
1: Yes, it really heightens the experience. I mean, to use your metaphor of averages, if the average is a 0.8 and you see someone dressing at a 6, you know, 0 being, this does not turn me on, 10. And being this gear, absolutely one hundred percent, gives me a hard on. And they they're suddenly like, "Oh, you are a six. Okay, great. Finally, there's a signal out there, or you know, it, it'll it does heighten the experience and it makes it more special. And this kind of brings us to another kind of sub fetish in the suit and tie fetish community, which is dress code or forced dress. There are a lot of guys who fantasize about forcing people to wear suits and ties. And it is this kind of weird sort of historical reenactment holdover to the 90s or the 80s when that was the corporate dress code and you were expected to wear that. And so they kind of romanticize those eras and they romanticize this Gordon Gecko look and they want to dress up guys in that look, especially if it makes them uncomfortable. (laughs) And this is all humiliation. They're, They're... and that i think that has something to do with bondage as well it's binding a person's body up in this clothing that they probably think of as constrictive
0: yeah like yeah it's like okay that reminds me okay so kind of getting back to like a conversation um i've had with mike of like you know the, the time the one time that we've met each other in person because at the time i was having sort of a long distance relationship thing with another kingster um that guy was mostly into like rubber and stuff so like suits really weren't his thing but like me being Interested in it kind of made him a little interested in it, but like he would always explain to me, like, okay, like, but just so you know, I'm not very comfortable like wearing this and stuff like that. Like, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on them, you know, etc. Then I remember kind of telling Mike about that. And then Mike's like, oh, well, like, but then that's fun because then, you know, there's something I don't know, there's something attractive about like a man like having to wear a suit when he doesn't want to like wear it or something. And Hmm. but it's funny because it's like that doesn't really appeal to me a whole lot. I don't know. Like, I, I I like seeing when a guy can wear, like, dress clothes and, like, be, like, somewhat comfortable in it and not look like his mother dressed him or something. <laughs> like, I think I said not look like his mother then. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, we've got some and Dates shit going on here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think to uh, add on to Matt's point here, a lot of the suit, when I ask a lot of the suit and tie guys, you know, what got you into this to begin with, many of them point to school uniforms, yeah, especially if they live in the UK. Yeah, That is a pattern that I have noticed And school uniforms are kind of their first awakening into this And they are like really drawn to that structure And being told what to wear puts them in a sub-mindset yeah. Which is well, fascinating because we think of the suit and tie As this kind of uniform of power, which certainly it is But for many suit and tie guys, being told to wear this Puts them in a submissive mindset yeah. And makes them the corporate underling that is malleable to the executive's wishes
0: and then yeah like and because that kind of brings me to like I guess my quote unquote root for liking you know like dress clothes and stuff was sort of the obligation to wear it like you know it's like it's like one of the like my family they're not really people who dress up I mean my family is fairly working class and so like wearing suits and stuff like that really isn't that normalized in it but like you know my mom likes going to church on Sundays she likes she's somebody that she really she herself likes dressing up for like things like that and then so she would make us you know me and my siblings dress up like to go to church and everything and then you go to church and there's other people dressed up everywhere and all of that and so that was kind of like an early route for me like with that so yeah it's like i mean i completely understand that but it's like like like, as an adult who's like into this now i i don't know like there's something about like i don't really like you know i don't really like the idea of like pressuring somebody to like wear a suit or something like that like it's like i don't know i kind of like like the naturalness of it like when when you know a guy would kind of you know just wear a suit like sort of on his own you know kind of incorporate his own style into it you know be a little bit more comfortable and confident in it and not just like awkward like somebody forced him into this but yeah I mean I definitely see the appeal of that.
2: Interesting segue (laughs) because we could kind of segue into the next question from that which is what made you realize you're into bondage and into clothing? So for me bondage
1: is a much more recent thing so I'll start with the bondage side of it first and then I can work my way into the deeper side of it. So well bondage is already very deep but anyway for me the bondage side of it was something that I didn't realize I was into even though I was seeing it very consistently in the movies in which there would be guys in suits and ties. We've all seen plenty of movies in which there is a guy in a suit and tie getting tied up and interrogated and Nat has given plenty of examples of this on Instagram (laughs) and on his blog and I just do not need to really reference that Uh, anyone who's followed him for 30 seconds knows that he will catalog these things. But yes, I think I knew that I was into suits and ties when I started seeing the old James Bond and Indiana Jones movies. So to my straight non-kinky friends, I like to joke that Harrison Ford and Sean Connery made me gay, which is not inaccurate. Harrison Ford awakened it and, and Sean Connery sealed the deal. But uh there are a number of there are a number of uh, James Bond movies in which you see well-dressed protagonists getting tied up. And later on, I discovered Men at Play, in which bondage shows up as a motif, not really as a theme though because there was always a point at which the guy is cut out of his bonds and they start making out and the suits come off and it gets into the ordinary mainstream territory that a lot of suit and tie fetishes find frustrating because it's like we are paying for this one site the one and only porn site that is dedicated to our fetish and we're getting only half of a video (laughs) but anyway so when i start seeing bondage scenes in minute play videos that started to crystallize that connection between the suited guy and the suited guy who is tied up and that kind of turning the tables of power turning him into um an object in other words this guy who is probably capable of making all kinds of very complicated decisions and doing all kinds of manly man executive things with money and power and everything he's tied up now and he can't do anything and i think that 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 turning the tables is very much at the center of the whole thing so as far as my own play with bondage goes i've only even recently begun to explore it because uh my husband's very much into suits and ties and he particularly is into shoes and socks and so forth but uh, otherwise we tend to be um fairly we tend to stay a bit more on the vanilla side of things as far as what we do but uh he has experimented and i did mention that this orange tie is one that he tied me up with and london york executive ties are excellent for bondage because the the extra long ones they have a lot of stitching they're thick they make a satisfying drape when they are looped in certain ways this is not an advertisement
0: (laughs) (laughs) they are not paying you to sponsor them
1: (laughs) Tim is not paying me to sponsor his, uh, his ties, even though I think he should. I'm, I'm just going to have to have a separate conversation with him about that. Maybe send him a link to this podcast episode and just tell him, you know, just scroll 45 minutes in, you'll, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the bondage side of it is, um, for me, suits and ties have to be involved. Otherwise, I'm not interested. And I think the bondage side of it is um, as a trope or motif of subverting the power of the suited guy. Does that answer your question, Sam?
2: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And good on you, Tommy (laughs) Susbell. yay we'll we'll keep practicing (laughs) you picked my interest with his fetishes but that's probably a story for another day
0: okay well one thing on that note that I kind of wanted to talk about is I mean that's what's interesting it's like because you can dissect a suit and you'll find a different fetish within the entire thing like it's funny because I feel like I'm more into the overall presentation I don't focus in on like little tiny things like that but it's like there are some people that they love like the pocket squares and the ties and the you know and the cuff links and you know all the other like little things like that but then there are people who are more into the shirts or people more into the blazers or people into like i don't know like guys having like well coiffed like hair that you know that goes like with the suit or the socks and you know the dress socks and the dress shoes or and even the garters to keep the socks up and oh yeah just like different things like that yeah like it's like you could just dissect so many things and there will there will be a community that is into like one of those things in other words when you're putting on a suit and
1: tie you're basically putting on a complete DIY kink kit it, it's like you were a walking
2: talking kink toolbox <laughs> well there we have it guys from here on out a suit and tie is a DIY kink toolkit <laughs>
1: <laughs> you've got your pocket square can double as a gag you've got your tie, which we use for all kinds of things thrift store ties are good for that reason suppose. oh yeah
0: yeah I, it's funny because i started a collection of those like i feel like i had a good amount i've tied a few people up completely with ties like a few times but then once i met my now boyfriend he like looked through them and he lo- like i i specifically chose like ties that i thought were garish and ugly and whatever because it's like okay i'm using this for bondage so i don't care like it doesn't need a look stylish but then he like found them and he actually liked them like for wearing and like confiscated like a few of them and so now the actual ties i have for that it's you know like maybe like five ties now (laughs) i stopped buying ties for that yeah it's like so now i need more specifically for tying but yeah i think this gets back around to one of the
1: practical elements of suits and ties which is that um a lot of the guys who are into suits and ties as a fetish they have a play suit yeah or two or three depending depending on what how many they've collected. But they will have a suit and tie that's actually that they will actually be able to wear for formal functions or for softer forms of play. And then they'll have the play suit where, you know, anything goes. Mm-hmm. And you can you can get any of a number of different ahem, emissions on it. <laughs> Now, there are some of the wealthier suit and tie fetish guys who specifically get off to the idea of destroying a beautiful, like, custom suit. Yeah. I've spoken to these people. And it's just like, I don't know what your income level is, but uh, no. <laughs> yeah. It took me several years to save up for the garment that I'm wearing. I'm not going to destroy it for a one-time only thing.
0: Yeah, like well like Mike talked about like in his episode that there were guys who wanted him to like get in the bathtub like in one of his suits or something and he's like no like like this is an expensive nice suit and I'm not going to do that to it. Yeah, I mean, I do have a play suit. <laughs>
1: got it from Brooks Brothers on sale. So there you go and it actually has bounced back from several such
2: usages. <laughs> Which is okay if you have like a suit that it's time for it to be retired or you've got a cheap suit like that. That's fine, but yeah. Oh, that hurts like winning a uh, good suit
1: so i will say yeah right i and i will say you know people who are into the wet and messy side of things which is another you know thing that i'm into it is easier to explain water stains to the dry cleaner than it is to explain other kinds of stains <laughs> i don't speak from any experience at all none
2: <laughs> it's like that joke where the person goes to the dry cleaners and they're like oh, i need to get this done and they're like come again and he's like no this time it's mustard." <laughs> I know it's
0: like that actually reminds me like I, I actually felt really bad okay because like my boyfriend he likes being ejaculated on like you know like hum really turns him on and everything and then so once I had him tied up and I stood over him and I and I came on him but this time he happened to be wearing one of his silk shirts that like and you know he didn't seem concerned at first but then once you know he got untied and everything he was like okay this is probably going to be a bit to like easily clean off and I think he he tried you know his own methods of like washing it without dirty without ruining it and all of that and it still has like a prominent like stain on it like and it's also like right on like you know the breast of his shirt so it almost looks like a brooch or something and he's like okay like I guess I'm gonna have to like just see what a dry cleaner can do <laughs> just kind of I, I don't know try to see how he can like explain that or something but it's like I don't know it's like we live near a gay side of town I'm pretty sure these dry cleaners have seen a lot of shit. Maybe literally I would hope not
1: though Yeah That's one that I'm not into And Sammy's making a face right now And that's Not a thing for me Thank you Not meaning to cast dispersions On anybody's You know Genuine kink for shit But uh, I think people Who have that kink Understand that That is not something That a lot of people are into And they're They would have to be okay With that fact on some level Yeah
2: Absolutely Look Each to their own Absolutely no shame Absolutely And if you could find someone That is into that More power to you Great But yeah It seems to be a very Pretty much the consensus of everyone that's been on the show, it's a hard limit for them. Yeah. Now, piss, however, Mm.
1: there are guys who are into that. As in, wearing their suits and ties commando, drinking a little too much. That's a thing. Are you into that? I like the idea of it and it is certainly a theme I've explored in one or two of my stories. Is it something that I would do myself? No. That would be permanent irreversible damage, but
2: yeah. That's how I feel about piss in general. I like the idea of it. Sure. I don't know if I'd like it in practice.
1: Yeah. Right. And and um, it's one of those things where it I've seen it in a few minute play videos and it's always really hot and it gets into, you know, there are very specific turn ons with the wet messy fetish. There are people who really like it when you wear a blue shirt with the tie and everything like that, because that color tends to show water actually much more vividly than white or other colors and uh so i can see how that would be a part of the appeal as well making it so that it is a piss stain and you cannot hide it <laughs> and you get to wear the badge of your ignominy for the rest of the evening and you're really into it
0: <laughs> yeah well one thing i liked um i mean i wasn't in a full suit but like the one set i did with my boyfriend where i was uh, chained in his bathtub and then i was wearing like oh it was a white dress shirt with stripes and i like that like like when I, I mean, because since I was in a bathtub, I obviously had to get wet. Mm-hmm. I loved how that looked of like the white part of the shirt just kind of blended in with my skin and then you just see the stripes of it yes. on it. And then he also peed on me, but, and I think that's also on the video, but it's kind of hard to tell. And I don't think I posted
2: that part of the video, but Sorry, could I interrupt? <laughs> I just have to say, I love how you go into all this detail and put so much emotion behind the bonds. And then it's like, oh, but he also peed on me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One sub kink of mine that i'm particularly into is sweat and this has everything to do with the kind of climate that i live in yeah i think of it as a subset of uh the wet and messy thing as well
0: (laughs) you kind of have to be into that like living in the south (laughs) like
1: Uh, right it's just the thing that i'm used to and i find it very amusing when guys in the uk will say something like oh no it's it's 25 degrees today and i'll do a celsius fahrenheit conversion and be like that's a day in fucking september you're fine (laughs) also you have no idea what humidity is shut up or sorry bless your heart I'm supposed to be sudden Southerners say fuck plenty of
2: times because we have a lot to say fuck about. I'm going to go off topic because that's what we do. Have you guys seen Mrs. Brown's Boys, the Irish show? Yeah, I have. Not familiar. Okay. It's a running joke because in one episode, she's talking to her son's mother-in-law, who's really posh. And she's like, you know, when my husband, when I had my baby, he brought me this nice house. She's like, that's nice. And then he bought me my dream car. That's nice. That's nice. Did your husband get you anything? Oh, he got me elocution lessons. I used to say to people, fuck off. Now I say, that's nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Same energy. Yes.
2: Yeah. I've heard that same joke with bless your heart instead of that's nice. Oh, yes. I I particularly
1: like it when people from New England will move to the southeast and someone will finally say, bless your heart to them, and they'll ask me about it. and They'll just be like, oh, dear, where do I even start? You you asked for
2: unsweetened tea, didn't you? You're not going to agree with my opinion on sweet tea. Uh, Sweet tea is terrible. That being said, I'm not big on tea. So I don't mind a sweet iced tea, but hot tea, I don't think I'd really like either.
1: Oh, no, sweet tea is never served hot in this part of the world. But there is a beverage called an Arnold Palmer. There you go. There's your, there's your Southernism of the day where you take uh, half sweet tea, half lemonade, and it's actually really good. But it is syrupy levels of sweet, and I'm just not into it. But anyway, sweat and scents is something that I find really erotic as well. And I think that that gets back to that whole notion of this highly civilized form of dress can't quite contain the person underneath.
0: Yeah, like, and specifically, I know, well, I know a lot of guys who are into odors and stuff like that. But like, I know I know a handful specifically suit guys that are into like body odors and like sweat and musk and yeah and things like that. I mean, as somebody who can't smell, that's not something I necessarily gravitate towards. But it's an interesting, I guess, subversion of the suit because it's like I I guess you would assume if you see somebody completely posh in a suit, you would probably assume he probably has a you know an expensive cologne and smells really nice and clean and all of that. But then it's like if he smells kind of like bo, like he just you know just like didn't shower after the gym or something like that. That's like an interesting kind of twist of events or something it's a juxtaposition
1: and it's that idea of he smells like sex
0: <laughs>
1: in other words he might look you know as clean as a freshly polished penny but uh somewhere along the way you know what he's really been up to and it's that juxtaposition again it, I, I think that's delicious to a lot of uh suit and
0: tie guys it's, it's funny because it's like the thing that bothers me about it is because like like white shirts in particular are very you know it's a big part of like a suit i mean of course people could wear any other kind of dress shirts but like the white shirt is like its own it exists as its own thing and then the thing that i don't get about like liking sweat with that is the yellowing of a white shirt like around the armpits or around the neck or oh
1: you just skip the deodorant you'll be fine (laughs) it's the deodorant that causes the yellowing not the sweat oh
0: wow wow. the more you know
1: if your deodorant has an aluminum based ingredient in it then that's what causes the yellowing
0: but then how does that explain like the yellowing of the neck like i mean okay i
1: have no explanation there that's just the thing you have to kind of
0: like I, i don't yeah Like I don't put deodorant on my neck, but no, because I mean that was always a thing, like with like especially growing up, I always had hand-me-down clothes, and yeah, like any kind of hand-me-down like white dress shirt I would get always had fucking a yellow collar. And like I mean, sometimes it's not really noticeable, especially if you're wearing it with a tie, because it's only the the interior of it that's yellow, but it just feels kind of gross. That's kind of the
1: nature of it. I mean, the one that I'm wearing right now is a shirt that I've had
0: since like two
2: thousand
1: eight. Wow, okay. And uh I've been able to to keep it clean enough and presentable enough. But yeah, it does have a bit of yellowing in the color because it's just inevitable. And you know, we can go into laundry care tips. <laughs> the laundry care tips kick podcast, how to keep your your sweaty gear looking pristine. Um,
2: <laughs> that would be the perfect clickbait. If we had commercials, it'd be like up next, find out how to keep your colours white stay with us. Okay, that that
0: that can be an idea for a series. Like we we should we should put in that like for like different for like leather maintenance or rubber maintenance or suit maintenance or something yeah. like that of have like a little tips kind of thing like that. I mean, yes, because most of us are not made
1: of money and as we've established earlier, gear is expensive. Yeah. And you should take care of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, um so yeah, so uh, back to <laughs> our questions. Um so yeah, so what is your favorite kind of kink content? And and kink content could be any, I don't know, anything, any kind of media, anything like that, that kind of pushes your buttons It could be legit porn. Like, I mean, you've mentioned Ben at play. Um, it could be, you know, other things uh, kind of like that. It could be stories. So, as far as medium goes, stories
1: are really top tier for me because they allow me to imagine it, the action exactly as I would please, followed by pictures. So, I'm really not into videos because even with Minute Play videos, I'm scrolling around trying to find the exact right image that I want to look at. And as we established earlier, Minute Play videos aren't really suit and tie fetish videos. They're half of a suit and tie fetish video, followed by half of something else because Minute Play went mainstream and we're not pleased with them. But um, interestingly, under the subset of pictures, you know, it, it's a static image. So I get to kind of make up a narrative around it in my head. Yeah. But I also really enjoy it when I see like an erotic artist who actually gets the clothing right, because for most of them, the clothing is an afterthought. But when they get the clothing right, because drapery is really, really difficult to draw and everything, that is a real big turn on to me because it shows that they cared and it shows that they get it. Yeah. And it feels kind of like because it's because it's a drawn or illustrated image it also feels as though you're inhabiting someone else's fantasy as in this is the image of this guy's ideal guy yeah that be is very interesting to see because this person might resemble someone in real life, but he the, the the artist did something to it to make it look a particular way. And when artists get you know transparent fabric correct, getting back to Matt's point about white shirts, <laughs> that's a chef's kiss moment for me.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, it's like with what you're saying with like yeah, like clothing and por- because costuming for at least for a lot of the good bondage websites, it is a little bit of an afterthought. I feel like I've mentioned it. Um, A few times before, of how, you know, when it's specifically bondage porn that's not really focused on clothing, the clothing is kind of an afterthought. There's not as much of an attention to detail or anything. But then when it's the other way around, when there is that detail for the clothing, then the bondage is kind of sacrificed and it might not be as good or might not even be included in it. But another thing I wanted to add to that was I don't know, like when there is like distinctly like a fetish element and when people post content and it's like, okay, like for example somebody's wearing like a police uniform or something like that with like black driving gloves or something where you know it's a little incongruous to like wear those specific gloves with that specific thing but it all just kind of works together and it just sort of like at least in a fetishy context so that it all kind of makes sense in you know a kinky kind of um fetishy way and so it's like i think that's the other thing kind of with seeing i don't know like certain details of clothing like kind of like as you brought up earlier with like you know with with peacocking and everything how suit kingsters tend to look a certain way that's kind of distinct from regular men who just wear suits. And yeah, I feel like there's always just a little bit of that element there. And I don't know, I feel like when you see that, it's a little bit more kind of invite inviting as like somebody who like consumes that content. Like I think
1: also you can kind of graph the level of power or dominance that a character has. And by character here, I'm referring to a person who shows up in porn, in whatever medium. You can kind of graph the level of power and dominance a character has according to how much of their body is covered, by gear, namely. Yeah. So it's as though the divestment or the stripping of each of these elements from the other person divests them of their power and turns them into a more submissive object. And I think Nat, this is kind of getting into a conversation that you and I have had quite a few times when a businessman or when a suit and tie, you know, when a when a guy in a suit and tie is tied up and he struggles and his outfit gets disheveled or messed up from it, that to me is a real turn on because it's a kind of visualization of his loss of power. It's a humiliation factor. And I think that any, you know, to get back to the question that Nat was asking earlier, any kind of um, media that that emphasizes how erotic it is to see someone partially clothed more than nude in other words a state of undress or a state of half dress is somehow more arousing to me at least than seeing him just completely you know from zero to naked yeah which is a problem that many of the men at play videos have they go from suited to naked at some halfway point and i lose interest yeah
2: i guess at that point it kind of can become any generic video yeah men at play still has hot videos and it's not picking on Meta Play at all. Here. But I guess if you take... No, I, I'm here to pick on Play. We don't pick on <laughs> other bondage sites here because they are all awesome. Well, they're not a bondage site. We don't pick up porn sites. Uh, Sorry. All right. You were saying, what's your thought? (laughs) It's the same with anything, I guess. If you take away the niche of it all, it can become kind of generic. Yeah. But then also there's that need to have the generic at the same time to appeal to a wider audience. So I guess you've just got to find that happy medium. Yeah, I suppose. Has Play found that? i don't know okay like one
0: example i could think of with that it doesn't necessarily have to do with suits but yeah it's like like certain things certain porn sites where there would be a character like somebody playing a coach or something like that so you know when you hear like coach you think of a very specific kind of you know kind of sporty whatever outfit um that would go with that and it's like the like a gripe that i sort of have with that is okay so you know the coach and the title or whatever like that is kind of what draws me to that video but then the guy is only dressed that way for like a few seconds of the video because he's like knocked out and completely stripped into like, and he's wearing a jock strap. And then, so once he's tied up, he's just a guy in a jock strap. And it's like, okay, now I completely lost that characterization Um, because you know, it's like, okay, you know, there's other kinds of sets on this website with men tied up in jock straps. And it's like, okay, well now this just feels like any of the other videos, because I I totally lost that, that coach kind of character, like from, that happening. And I think the
1: reason I was getting the reason I'm all too happy to pick on minute play but I'll try to do it in perhaps a method of helpful critique the site was originally started by somebody who was in the suit and type fetish community he later moved on and sold it to a group that is not affiliated with us at all and the level of their content has um, diminished over the years as a result so I think the reason I find myself frustrated with minute play is that it was the only site made by us for us in this niche community and it's gone now it's basically gone And, you know, good for the guy who started it moving on to a new phase of his life and all that great happy for him but doesn't leave us you know doesn't leave the rest of us with too many options so to get back to nat's point about how sure you're going to build this as suit porn and the characters are only wearing suits and ties for half of the video which means you're asking us to pay for half of a video and i find that frustrating and unacceptable but as you know as sammy pointed out the moment of what a porn site goes mainstream they have to divide their audience yeah maybe this is why only fans is the solution or just for fans which is better yeah that's a whole other
0: topic we can get into but (laughs) but yeah it's like but you're able to like cater to more of a niche like and you have I guess less of a risk than like a bigger website like with doing that I feel like with a bigger website you kind of need to be a little bit like appeal to more people Mm. yes and you know capitalism
1: (laughs) I'm just gonna leave that word there
2: it becomes I guess in a way a supply and demand thing if they're not getting the subscribers right if they're not keeping up the mainstream content to get the subscribers in, then there's going to be no meta play no suited content. So I can understand where they're coming
0: from. It kind of reminds me of what Shane brought up in in his episode with uh, ropes and whatnots of like people who are more vanilla, like kind of being familiar with what he does and giving the critique of there needs to be more nudity and sex in this because that like that's what sells or whatever. And he's just kind of like, but it's a bondage website. Like, he, like I know the people who like this because I am one of the people who likes this and yeah, and to build on your
1: point, Nat, I think this is why it is empowering for us to create our own fetish content. And I think this is a theme that you all have touched on in your podcast before, how we are turned on by such specific things that we kind of develop a mental catalog of all these things. Or we start collecting these materials or curating them in some fashion because there's this sense that this is rare and I'm not going to find it again. So I need to save it and put it in the folder that I'm not going to show anyone else And so there's that impulse to capture and curate this specific content or to create it for ourselves. And I think that both of those are fundamentally good things because they are a way for us to take power back from these websites that want us to pay for something that doesn't
2: actually speak to us. Yeah. What I'm hearing is you're going to make your own soup porn with blackjack and hookers. sure I mean I'm already writing it
1: if minute play steals one of my plot lines I expect royalties (laughs) I'm dead serious it takes me a long time to write these stories I expect royalties okay and judging by the way they do their dialogue they'd better owe me because they don't know how to do dialogue and I do what
2: are we going back to with
1: gatekeeping
2: and elitist sorry
1: (laughs) I mean okay fine you may call me an elitist if you wish it's just I've heard the dialogue in porn videos and it's so stupid Mine. Numbingly stupid And it's just like Come on Do you know How humans communicate
2: <laughs> You know what I'm gonna come out In defense of that Because I find It's one of those things Because they're not They're porn stars They're not actors And it's There are lines That are in, well intended And I know With my videos Lines that are Very well intended Just come out So tacky And so cheesy Just because You don't have That kind of range Of emotions To throw out It's mm. okay. Well and I feel like Okay and then I feel like
0: Once again getting Back to the Just for a fans only fans kind of era of porn is I think the thing is like since since things are more niche there's more people kind of doing the thing that they like and that they're into so they're probably going to be better at it than you know some director hiring some actors that just signed up for it but they're just kind of willing to do anything and they're being fed these lines and you know they only kind of half understand what they're doing or the fetish that they're catering to or something and so everything is kind of stilted and sort of awkward like I feel like now that people can make the type of content that they want to make, it's coming out maybe a little bit better, you know, in return, because it's like, okay, this is what I'm into, this is what I'm enthusiastic about, and I understand this, and what people are kind of looking for.
2: Mm. And that also kind of touches on similar to what I just said. When I run a plan for a video, I might have a certain vision in mind, or a certain tone in mind, but then it doesn't get delivered that way, because the other person can't read my mind. So then, despite your best efforts, it just doesn't quite come across. It can come across a little cheesy or tacky. And no, I don't
1: actually think you're an elitist. You would not be the first person to call me that.
2: No, I don't think you are at all. You're just being subjected to good old Aussie shit-stirring.
1: Great. (laughs) You know, the the point I was trying to make earlier is, if you're asking us to pay for this content and it is shitty and you did not bother writing it, then I'm not your customer. That's fair. That is absolutely fair. This is not for me and you you may fuck all the way off. Bless your heart. (laughs) Exactly. I actually don't say bless your heart that very often. I, I just usually say fuck off. Good. <laughs> I suppose it's because I'm an, anglo- I'm an Anglophile. I just enjoy that. And also we have a lot of reasons to say fuck in this part of the world. So Nat's question was, you know, what kind of content do I enjoy consuming? And I mentioned, you know, the different media that I like with drawings and stories being the top yeah. and, you know, pictures. This is also why I'm never going to join TikTok because I find videos annoying and just you're asking for a slice of my day, a 15 second slice of my day that I'm not going to get back. No, I'm not gonna it
0: v- videos are very demanding aren't they like when people just like send you videos. <laughs> it's like because it assumes that you're like in a setting where you can like listen to it like where it's not going to be disruptive to like people around or something like that and then yeah it's just yeah like it is well and then i like that you bring up pictures as well because it's like so many people in the last couple of months have told me nobody cares about pictures like like people don't like pictures anymore or something and it's like i mean i do like i feel like you know i I post more pictures than I do videos like and I do like videos but yeah like it's I don't know it's like videos are kind of they're a little bit more difficult they're a little bit more you know there's more expectation kind of with them whereas pictures you could kind of you know edit them and manipulate them somehow and yeah it's like and then that kind of goes better with a story versus yeah like actually like putting a story next to like video as far as iconography goes or you know what kind of progression or
1: plotline I like to see I enjoy it when the guy Starts off like fully suited up, you know, every detail in place. And then something happens that causes his attire to like unravel or get messed up in some way. And so I think for me, nudity is only permitted to happen when it is gradual, when it feels like we have earned it somehow, when the person producing the content understands the appeal of all the different degrees of dishevelment that go along the way. So I think this is kind of getting back to the idea of the guy wearing a suit and tie is like an exquisitely wrapped present. <laughs>
0: and
1: this is actually something of a controversial attitude in the suit and tie community, because having spoken to many suit and tie guys, there are a lot of them who just prefer to remain perfectly done up the entire time, like mannequins. And that is a thing that they're into. They want their attire to remain absolutely immaculate, not a single button open. The furthest they will get towards being unclothed is maybe undoing the zipper of their trousers. And that's it. Yeah. Because for them, the suit and tie itself is the fantasy and they want that fantasy to be pristine and preserved throughout the whole experience. And fine I get that they want to be constricted they want to feel the silk around their neck at all times that is their entryway into pleasure whereas for me that's a starting point
0: well because it's like because the disheveled suit like really just shows like a loss of control like yeah it's like it's like yeah like exactly like it's like because there is obviously vanity attached to wearing a suit and things like that and then so I think I feel like there's like another like kind of layer added to it when a suited guy is is disheveled because he probably doesn't want to be disheveled and would probably compose himself if he was able to but he can't because he's tied so exactly,
1: it's that loss of power so I think I guess what I'm getting at here is that for me there's an element of humiliation and loss of control that has to take place and that can take place in all kinds of visual way yeah. and those visual ways all register on the suit and tie outfit in some fashion Yeah,
2: I suppose it's one of those things it's everyone just has a different preference with how much gets removed how much gets changed Yes.
1: Yeah. And I think also, I mean, those preferences point to some kind of deeper underlying pattern of what is it really that this person is looking for? Because yes, they're looking for some kind of a visual or sensory experience. But this visual or sensory experience is telling them something, it's representing some other deeper need, it could be that deeper need for constriction or submission, it could be that need for dominance or power, it could be that need for watching someone else being put into the compromising position. I think, um, yes, it, it's fun to get into all the visual details, but I think also those visual details are a stand-in for something deeper. Yeah.
2: Okay. It's interesting you use the phrase going deeper, because that is quite deep. <laughs> a good day, like it's interesting. Don't get me wrong. Dude.
1: <laughs> I'm glad that it came across that way. I mean, it's a lot of the times when I'm talking to suit and tie guys, they don't get nearly that deep into it. They're just like, I like suit. Yeah. Probably
2: interesting was the wrong word. Insightful would be a better way to put it. Thank you. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. It was insightful. Dude. So yeah, that's kind of, that's really
1: the kind of kink content that I go for. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that um in the wild, the place where I see people dressing up in suits and ties is places like wedding receptions and so forth, where they will start off the evening fully done up. And for some reason or another, shirts come open, ties get loosened, shirts get untucked, and clothing starts getting removed in public, even though they're in public. And they seem aware of that and unaware of that at the same
0: time. And I just find that funny and interesting. And yeah. I feel like that's, like, almost, like, a masculine sort of thing of, like, you know, because it's, like, women are kind of expected to be more composed to, like, you know, their hair is supposed to be intact, and their makeup is also supposed to be intact, and, like, you know, all of these, like, little things like that, but it's, like, for men, it's, like, oh, like, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know, it's, like, the wild kind of starts coming out, and, yeah. you know, like, yeah, it's, like, you know, like, they uncomfortable like in the suit and so the minute you know the the minute things get more casual and loosened up they yeah it's like like they shed all of that like and then yeah it's like and then it's like I, I, I also kind of like when I don't know men can stay completely you know composed like even when they have loosened up like like that are still like comfortable in all of that oh yes this is
1: getting to interesting tropes like the suit and tie character as the stick in the mud as in the suit and tie character is seen as uptight and restrained And conservative yeah. And so we're going to make sure That something happens to him To uh, break him of that I can see the appeal of that And yeah it's It circles back around To control as well And male privilege To no small degree Because you know, cisgender men Are allowed to remove Their shirts in public And no one else's Yeah, So yeah I think that progression Is something that draws me Into various forms Of kink media
2: Alright guys That's it for our show This week But we have more ground To cover So we will be back next week i am dragging tom and his dapper self back to the studio oh if only you could see the faces making kicking and screaming i'm sure oh yeah well you'll be trying to kick and scream (laughs) yes i know that was cringeworthy (laughs) so guys well, we'll see you next week thank you tom for joining us it's been delightful thank you very much thank you all right i'm sammy and i'm nat see you next
0: week